chapter ninety eight part three of the adventures of peregrine pickle volume two by tobias smollett this librivox recording is in the public domain in the year seventeen forty the brave admiral who at that time commanded his majesty's fleet in the west indies among the other transactions of his squadron transmitted to the duke of newcastle mentioned a young man who though in the capacity of a common sailor on board one of the ships under his command laid claim to the estate and titles of the earl of a these pretensions were no sooner communicated in the public papers than they became the subject of conversation in all companies and the person whom they chiefly affected being alarmed at the appearance of a competitor though at such a distance began to put himself in motion and take all the precautions which he thought necessary to defeat the endeavour of the young upstart indeed the early intelligence he received of mr a s making himself known in the west indies furnished him with numberless advantages over that unhappy young gentleman for being in possession of a splendid fortune and lord of many manors in the neighbourhood of the very place where the claimant was born he knew all the witnesses who could give the most material evidence of his legitimacy and if his probity did not restrain him had by his power and influence sufficient opportunity and means of applying to the passions and interests of the witnesses to silence many and gain over others to his side while his competitor by an absence of fifteen or sixteen years from his native country the want of education and friends together with his present helpless situation was rendered absolutely incapable of taking any step for his own advantage and although his worthy uncle's conspicuous virtue and religious regard for justice and truth might possibly be an unconquerable restraint to his taking any undue advantages yet the consciences of that huge army of emissaries he kept in pay were not altogether so very tender and scrupulous this much however may be said without derogation from or impeachment of the noble earl's nice virtue and honour that he took care to compromise all differences with the other branches of the family whose interests were in this affair connected with his own by sharing the estate with them and also retained most of the eminent counsel within the bar of both kingdoms against this formidable bastard before any suit was instituted by him while he was thus entrenching himself against the attack of a poor forlorn youth at the distance of fifteen hundred leagues continually exposed to the dangers of the sea the war and an unhealthy climate mr m in the common course of conversation chanced to ask some questions relating to this romantic pretender of one h who was at that time the present lord a s chief agent this man when pressed could not help owning that the late lord a actually left a son who had been spirited away into america soon after his father's death but said he did not know whether this was the same person this information could not fail to make an impression on the humanity of mr m who being acquainted with the genius of the wicked party who had possessed themselves of this unhappy young man's estate and honours expressed no small anxiety and apprehension lest they should take him off by some means or other and even then seemed disposed to contribute towards the support of the friendless orphan 
and to inquire more circumstantially into the nature of his claim in the meantime his occasions called him to france and during his absence mr a arrived in london in the month of october seventeen forty one here the clergyman was interrupted by peregrine who said there was something so extraordinary not to call it improbable in the account he had heard of the young gentleman's being sent into exile that he would look upon himself as infinitely obliged to the doctor if he would favour him with a true representation of that transaction as well as of the manner in which he arrived and was known at the island of jamaica the parson in compliance with our hero's request taking up the story from the beginning mr a said he is the son of arthur late lord baron of a by his wife mary s natural daughter of john duke of b and n whom he publicly married on the twenty-first day of july seventeen o six contrary to the inclination of his mother and all his other relations particularly of arthur late earl of a who bore an implacable enmity to the duke her father and for that reason did all that lay in his power to traverse the marriage but finding his endeavours ineffectual he was so much offended that he would never be perfectly reconciled to lord a though he was his presumptive heir after their nuptials they cohabited together in england for the space of two or three years during which she miscarried more than once and he being a man of levity and an extravagant disposition not only squandered away all that he had received of his wife's fortune but also contracted many considerable debts which obliged him to make a precipitate retreat into ireland leaving his lady behind him in the house with his mother and sister who having also been averse to the match had always looked upon her with eyes of disgust it was not likely that harmony should long subsist in this family especially as lady a was a woman of a lofty spirit who could not tamely bear insults and ill-usage from persons who she had reason to believe were her enemies at heart accordingly a misunderstanding soon happened among them which was fomented by the malice of one of her sisters-in-law divers scandalous reports of her misconduct to which the empty pretensions of a vain wretched coxcomb who was made use of as an infamous tool for that purpose gave a colourable pretext were trumped up and transmitted with many false and aggravating circumstances to her husband in ireland who being a giddy unthinking man was so much incensed at these insinuations that in the first transports of his passion he sent to his mother a power of attorney that she might sue for a divorce in his behalf a libel was thereupon exhibited containing many scandalous allegations void of any real foundation in truth but being unsupported by any manner of proof it was at length dismissed with costs after it had depended upwards of two years lord a finding himself abused by the misrepresentations of his mother and sister discovered an inclination to be reconciled to his lady in consequence of which she was sent over to dublin by her father to the care of a gentleman in that city in whose house she was received by her husband with all the demonstrations of love and esteem from thence he conducted her to his lodgings and thence to his country house where she had the misfortune to suffer a miscarriage through fear and resentment of my lord's behaviour which was often brutal and indecent from the country they removed to dublin about the latter end of july or beginning of august seventeen fourteen where they had not long continued when her ladyship was known to be again with child 
lord a and his issue being next in remainder to the honours and estate of arthur earl of a was extremely solicitous to have a son and warned by the frequent miscarriages of his lady resolved to curb the natural impatience and rusticity of his disposition that she might not as formerly suffer by his outrageous conduct he accordingly cherished her with uncommon tenderness and care and her pregnancy being pretty far advanced conducted her to his country seat where she was delivered of mr a about the latter end of april or beginning of may for none of the witnesses have been able at this distance with absolute certainty to fix the precise time of his birth and there was no register kept in the parish as an additional misfortune no gentleman of fashion lived in that parish nor did those who lived at any considerable distance care to cultivate an acquaintance with a man of lord a's strange conduct be that as it will the occasion was celebrated by his lordship's tenants and dependents upon the spot and in the neighbouring town of new r by bonfires illuminations and other rejoicings which have made such an impression upon the minds of the people that in the place where they happened and the contiguous parishes several hundred persons have already declared their knowledge and remembrance of this event in spite of the great power of the claimant's adversary in that quarter and the great pains and indirect methods taken by his numberless agents and emissaries as well as by those who are interested with him in the event of the suit to corrupt and suppress the evidence lord a after the birth of his son who was sent to nurse in the neighbourhood according to the custom of the country where people of the highest distinction put their children out to nurse into farmhouses and cabins lived in harmony with his lady for the space of two years but having by his folly and extravagance reduced himself to great difficulties he demanded the remainder of her fortune from her father the duke of b who absolutely refused to part with a shilling until a proper settlement should be made on his daughter which by that time he had put out of his own power to make by his folly and extravagance as her ladyship by her endeavours to reform the economy of her house had incurred the displeasure of some idle profligate fellows who had fastened themselves upon her husband and helped to consume his substance they seized this opportunity of the duke's refusal and in order to be revenged upon the innocent lady persuaded lord a that the only means of extracting money from his grace would be to turn her away on pretence of infidelity to his bed for which they hinted there was but too much foundation at their suggestions a most infamous plan was projected in the execution of which one p a poor unbred simple country booby whom they had decoyed into a snare lost one of his ears and the injured lady retired the same day to new r where she continued several years she did not however leave the house without struggling hard to carry her child along with her but far from enjoying such indulgence strict orders were given that the boy should not for the future be brought within her sight this base inhuman treatment instead of answering the end proposed produced such a contrary effect that the duke of b by a codicil to his will in which he reflects upon lord a's evil temper directed his executors to pay to his daughter an annuity of one hundred pounds while her lord and she should continue to live separate and this allowance was to cease on lord a's death while she remained while she remained in this solitary situation the child was universally known and received as the legitimate son and heir of her lord whose affection for the boy 
was so conspicuous that in the midst of his own necessities he never failed to maintain him in the dress and equipage of a young nobleman in the course of his infancy his father having often changed his place of residence the child was put under the instructions of a great many different schoolmasters so that he was perfectly well known in a great many different parts of the kingdom and his mother seized all opportunities which were but rare on account of his father's orders to the contrary of seeing and giving him proofs of her maternal tenderness until she set out for england after having been long in a declining state of health by a paralytical disorder upon the consequence of which such dependence was placed by her inconsiderate husband who was by this time reduced to extreme poverty that he actually married a woman whom he had long kept as a mistress this creature no sooner understood that lady a was departed from ireland than she openly avowed her marriage and went about publicly with lord a visiting his acquaintances in the character of his wife from this era may be dated the beginning of mr a s misfortune this artful woman who had formerly treated the child with an appearance of fondness in order to ingratiate herself with the father now looking upon herself as sufficiently established in the family thought it was high time to alter her behaviour with regard to the unfortunate boy and accordingly for obvious reasons employed a thousand artifices to alienate the heart of the weak father from his unhappy offspring yet notwithstanding all her insinuations nature still maintained her influence in his heart and though she often found means to irritate him by artful and malicious accusations his resentment never extended farther than fatherly correction she would have found it impossible to accomplish his ruin had not her efforts been reinforced by a new auxiliary who was no other than his uncle the present usurper of his title and estate yet even this confederacy was overawed in some measure by the fear of alarming the unfortunate mother until her distemper increased to a most deplorable degree of the dead palsy and the death of her father had reduced her to a most forlorn and abject state of distress then they ventured upon the execution of their projects and though their aims were widely different concurred in their endeavours to remove the hapless boy as the common obstacle to both lord a who as i have already observed was a man of weak intellects and utterly void of any fixed principle of action being by this time reduced to such a pitch of misery that he was often obliged to pawn his wearing apparel in order to procure the common necessaries of life and having no other fund remaining with which he could relieve his present necessities except the sale of the reversion of the a estate to which the nonage of his son was an effectual bar he was advised by his virtuous brother and the rest of his counsellors to surmount this difficulty by secreting his son and spreading a report of his death this honest project he the more readily embraced because he knew that no act of his could frustrate the child's succession accordingly the boy was removed from the school at which he was then boarded to the house of one k an agent and accomplice of the present earl of a where he was kept for several months closely confined and in the meantime it was industriously reported that he was dead this previous measure being taken lord a published advertisements in the gazettes offering reversions of the a estate to sale and emissaries of various kinds were employed to inveigle such as were ignorant of the nature of the settlement of these estates or strangers to the affairs of his family some people imposed upon by the report of the child's death were drawn in to purchase thinking themselves safe in the concurrence of his lordship's brother upon presumption that he was next in remainder to the succession 
others tempted by the smallness of the price which rarely exceeded half a year's purchase as appears by many deeds though they doubted the truth of the boy's being dead ran small risks on the contingency of his dying before he should be of age or in hopes of his being prevailed upon to confirm the grants of his father and many more were treating with him on the same notions when their transactions were suddenly interrupted and the scheme of raising more money for the present defeated by the unexpected appearance of the boy who being naturally sprightly and impatient of restraint had found means to break from his confinement and wandered up and down the streets of dublin avoiding his father's house and choosing to encounter all sorts of distress rather than subject himself again to the cruelty and malice of the woman who supplied his mother's place thus debarred his father's protection and destitute of any fixed habitation he herded with all the loose idle and disorderly youths in dublin skulking chiefly about the college several members and students of which taking pity on his misfortunes supplied him at different times with clothes and money in this unsettled and uncomfortable way of life did he remain from the year seventeen twenty five to the latter end of november seventeen twenty seven at which time his father died so miserably poor that he was actually buried at the public expense this unfortunate nobleman was no sooner dead than his brother richard now earl of a taking advantage of the nonage and helpless situation of his nephew seized upon all the papers of the defunct and afterwards usurped the title of lord a to the surprise of the servants and others who were acquainted with the affairs of the family this usurpation bold as it was produced no other effect than that of his being insulted by the populace as he went through the streets and the refusal of the king-at-arms to enroll the certificate of his brother's having died without issue the first of these inconveniences he bore without any sense of shame though not without repining conscious that it would gradually vanish with the novelty of his invasion and as to the last he conquered it by means well known and obvious nor will it seem strange that he should thus invade the rights of an orphan with impunity if people will consider that the late lord a had not only squandered away his fortune with the most ridiculous extravagance but also associated himself with low company so that he was little known and less regarded by persons of any rank and figure in life and his child of consequence debarred of the advantages which might have accrued from valuable connections and though it was universally known that lady a had a son in ireland such was the obscurity in which the father had lived during the last years of his life that few of the nobility could be supposed to be acquainted with the particular circumstances of a transaction in which they had no concern and which had happened at the distance of twelve years before the date of this usurpation moreover as their first information was no other than common fame the public clamour occasioned by the separation might inspire such as were strangers to the family affairs with a mistaken notion of the child's having been born about or after the time of that event the hurry and bustle occasioned by the arrival of the lord lieutenant about this period the reports industriously propagated of the claimant's death the obscurity and concealment in which the boy was obliged to live in order to elude the wicked attempts of his uncle might also contribute to his peaceable enjoyment of an empty title and lastly lord chancellor w whose immediate province it was to issue writs for parliament was an utter stranger in ireland unacquainted with the descents of families and consequently did not examine farther than the certificate enrolled in the books of the king-at-arms over and above these circumstances which naturally account for the success of the imposture it may be observed that the hapless youth had not one relation alive on the side of his father whose interest it was not to forward or connive 
at his destruction that his grandfather the duke of b was dead and that his mother was then in england in a forlorn destitute dying condition secreted from the world and even from her own relations by her woman mary h who had a particular interest to secrete her and altogether dependent upon a miserable and precarious allowance from the duchess of b to whose caprice she was moreover a most wretched slave notwithstanding these concurring circumstances in favour of the usurper he did not think himself secure while the orphan had any chance of finding a friend who would undertake his cause and therefore laid a plan for his being kidnapped and sent to america as a slave his coadjutor in this inhuman scheme was a person who carried on the trade of transporting servants to our plantations and was deeply interested on this occasion for having for a mere trifle purchase of the late lord a the reversion of a considerable part of the a estate which shameful bargain was confirmed by the brother but could never take place unless the boy could be effectually removed everything being settled with his auxiliary several ruffians were employed in search of the unhappy victim and the first attempt that was made upon him in which his uncle personally assisted happening near one of the great markets of the city of dublin an honest butcher with the assistance of his neighbours rescued him by force from their cruel hands this however was but a short respite for though warned by this adventure the boy seldom crept out of his lurking-places without the most cautious circumspection he was in march seventeen twenty seven discovered by the diligence of his persecutors and forcibly dragged on board of a ship bound for newcastle on delaware river in america where he was sold as a slave and kept to hard labour much above his age or strength for the space of thirteen years during which he was transferred from one person to another while he remained in this servile situation he often mentioned to those in whom he thought such confidence might be placed the circumstances of his birth and title together with the manner of his being exiled from his native country although in this particular he neglected a caution which he had received in his passage importing that such a discovery would cost him his life meanwhile the usurper quietly enjoyed his right and to those who questioned him about his brother's son constantly replied that the boy had been dead for several years and arthur earl of a dying in april seventeen thirty seven he upon pretence of being next heir succeeded to the honours and estate of that nobleman the term of the nephew's bondage which had been lengthened out beyond the usual time on account of his repeated attempts to escape being expired in the year seventeen thirty nine he hired himself as a common sailor in a trading vessel bound to jamaica and there being entered on board of one of his majesty's ships under the command of admiral vernon openly declared his parentage and pretensions this extraordinary claim which made a great noise in the fleet reaching the ears of one lieutenant s nearly related to the usurper's irish wife he believed the young gentleman to be an impostor and thinking it was incumbent on him to discover the cheat he went on board the ship to which the claimant belonged and having heard the account which he gave of himself was notwithstanding his prepossessions convinced of the truth of what he alleged on his return to his own ship he chanced to mention this extraordinary affair upon the quarter-deck in the hearing of mr b one of the midshipmen who had formerly been at school with mr a this young gentleman not only told the lieutenant that he had been schoolfellow with lord a's son but also declared that he should know him again if not greatly altered as he still retained a perfect idea of his countenance upon this intimation the lieutenant proposed that the experiment should be tried and went with the midshipmen on board the ship that the claimant was on for that purpose after all the sailors had been assembled upon deck mr b casting his eyes around immediately distinguished mr a in the crowd and laying his hand on his shoulder this is the man said he affirming at the same time that 
while he continued at school with him the claimant was reputed and respected as lord a s son and heir and maintained in all respects suitable to the dignity of his rank nay he was in like manner recognized by several other persons in the fleet who had known him in his infancy these things being reported to the admiral he generously ordered him to be supplied with necessaries and treated like a gentleman and in his next dispatches transmitted an account of the affair to the duke of newcastle among the other transactions of the fleet in september or october seventeen forty one mr a arrived in london and the first person to whom he applied for advice and assistance was a man of the law nearly related to the families of a and a and well acquainted with the particular affairs of each who far from treating him as a bastard and impostor received him with civility and seeming kindness asked him to eat presented him with a piece of money and excusing himself from meddling in the affair advised him to go to ireland as the most proper place for commencing a suit for the recovery of his right before the young gentleman had an opportunity or indeed any inclination to comply with this advice he was accidentally met in the street by that same h who as i have mentioned gave mr m the first insight into the affair this man immediately knew the claimant having been formerly an agent for his father and afterwards a creature of his uncle's with whom he was not without reason suspected to be concerned in kidnapping and transporting his nephew be that as it will his connections with the usurper were now broken off by a quarrel in consequence of which he had thrown up his agency and he invited the hapless stranger to his house with a view of making all possible advantage of such a guest there he had not long remained when his treacherous landlord tampering with his inexperience effected a marriage between him and the daughter of one of his own friends who lodged in his house at the same time but afterwards seeing no person of consequence willing to espouse his cause he looked upon him as an encumbrance and wanted to rid his hands of him accordingly he remembered that mr m had expressed himself with all the humanity of apprehension in favour of the unfortunate young nobleman before his arrival in england and being well acquainted with the generosity of his disposition he no sooner understood that he was returned from france then he waited upon him with an account of mr a s being safely arrived mr m was sincerely rejoiced to find that a person who had been so cruelly injured and undergone so long and continued a scene of distress was restored to a country where he was sure of obtaining justice and where every good man as he imagined would make the cause his own and being informed that the youth was in want of necessaries he gave twenty guineas to h for his use and promised to do him all the service in his power but had no intention to take upon himself the whole weight of such an important affair or indeed to appear in the cause until he should be fully and thoroughly satisfied that the claimant's pretensions were well founded in the meantime h insinuating that the young gentleman was not safe in his present lodging from the machinations of his enemies m accommodated him with an apartment in his own house where he was at great pains to remedy the defect in his education by rendering him fit to appear as a gentleman in the world having received from him all the intelligence he could give relating to his own affair he laid the case before counsel and dispatched a person to ireland to make further inquiries upon the same subject who in his first arrival in that kingdom found the claimant's birth was as publicly known as any circumstance of that kind could possibly be at so great a distance of time the usurper and his friends gave all the interruption in their power to any researches concerning that affair and had recourse to every art and expedient that could be invented to prevent its being brought to a legal discussion privilege bills in chancery orders of court surreptitiously and illegally obtained and every other invention was made use of to bar and prevent a fair and honest trial by a jury the usurper himself and his agents at the same time that they formed divers conspiracies against his life in vain endeavoured to detach mr m 
from the orphans caused by innumerable artifices insinuating cajoling and misrepresenting with surprising dexterity and perseverance his protector far from being satisfied with their reasons was not only deaf to their remonstrances but believing him in danger from their repeated efforts had him privately conveyed into the country where an unhappy accident which he had ever since sincerely regretted furnished his adversary with a colourable pretext to cut him off in the beginning of his career End of chapter ninety eight part three